Welcome once again to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter as Wide Teams. This is episode 38. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. My guest today is Vasilis Rizopoulos, a software engineer with Tsulka. A f- he's also a founding member of the Thessaloniki Ruby Users Group. And uh, as of just as of this week, a member of the organizing committee of Euroco 2013 conference. Vasilis is joining me today from Thessaloniki, Greece. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Hi, Avdi. Thank you for having me. And um, thank you for pronouncing it perfect. <laughs> I cannot believe that I, I got it perfect, but but you're very you kind. You did that, yeah. Um. So, uh, so you tell me that you have been working, um, in a distributed fashion of, of some form or another for eight years now. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is correct. The, um, the whole thing started, um, around 2004. That was actually summer 2004, which would make it exactly eight years now. Uh, when I, uh, left Germany, having had enough of, uh, cloudy skies and cold weather, hmm. and moved down to Barcelona, Spain, um, not having in mind anything in in the form of working remotely. I was just left. And um, uh, as it so happened, the I was working for Tulke at, at that point in time, and um, uh, I was uh, part of a, a rather large project, which was uh, winding down. It was finishing. So at one point, um, the phone rings, and it was my boss, and uh, they needed some help. So we worked something out for like a short time, like a two-month contract, come up and wrap up and do some uh, um, uh, workshops and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, things worked so good that the two months became four, became six, and yeah, they're like eight years now. Hmm. Now, so what kind of company is Tsulke? Tsulke is, um, is a company that um, instantiates, I would say. <laughs> I keep thinking of it in software terms, but Tsulke is an engineering company. It does mechanical and electronics engineering uh, and software engineering, and it provides... Um, Services for clients uh, that want to uh, innovate and create projects using uh, bleeding edge technology, mm-hmm. you say that, and need technological expertise. And Tulke provides that, and also provides project teams, uh, complete interdisciplinary teams. That means uh, in in Tulke we get to do projects that do hardware and software together. Mm-hmm. And um, it truly provides this technological expertise, and uh, we do projects. Can you give some examples of the types of projects? Um, Projects 
can be in, in many different areas. Um, uh, I personally uh, specialize or work with teams that uh, work in the embedded sector. So we do, um, for example, in, in the tra- transportation industry or the uh, industry automation, big industrial automation like uh, assembly lines, uh, stuff like that, or medical devices as well. Mm-hmm. So it's also um, expertise in in, um, in develop software development that needs to follow norms and standards mm-hmm. uh, and safety standards and stuff like that. Gotcha. So I um, I actually got my start partly doing embedded work my, myself, and um, you know I, I still have memories of you know going in between my desk and the lab or sometimes spending all day in the lab with, you know, where you have the, the test beds and, and the, uh, the prototypes, how on earth do you do, you know, do you pull off a distributed team when you're dealing with embedded hardware development? It, it, it has been, it has been, um, um, trip. It has been, um, a growth process, so to speak. Um, I, what I don't know, because I, my role usually in the teams now, in the teams I work with, is the role of the toolsmith. Mm-hmm. Although I don't really like the term. So I take care of the environment, the automation, test automation, build, uh, continuous integration, and all the feedback. Essentially, I make, I, uh, I make sure that the development environment works so that everybody else can do the actual work. Okay. And, um, I'm not really sure because I was thinking about it. I'm not really, sh- really sure if my affinity for uh, automating stuff is what enabled me to work remotely or because I wanted to work remotely, I developed the skills, the automation skills that I have currently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a synergy. It works. One feeds off the other. And after eight years, I can't really clearly say how, it, how it's done. Mm-hmm. But I get to work a lot with um, relays and uh, electrical equipment that can be remotely uh, operated. Mm, okay. And um, sometimes I also get to play the puppet master, which means picking up the phone, calling somebody in the office and telling him to walk three doors downward <laughs> and flip a switch. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think uh, I remember. I think I, I dimly remember making that phone call when you don't want to walk to the lab. You know, call the lab. Can yeah, you cycle the power? Cool. Yeah, yeah. When when you're fifteen hundred kilometers away, you can't really walk option. down the hall. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But it also, it is also fun because you go through the catalogs and you you start looking for uh, a remote IP enabled uh, multi socket. Uh, strips and you're looking for relays that you can uh, control through USB and you start working with DACs and ADCs so analog to digital, digital to analog controllers and, and it's uh, it, it, we like to say you, you get your hands dirty yeah like that. that's, a, that's, that's pretty fascinating you're actually you're, you're, you're making me all curious now about these devices I hadn't even thought about now I need to find an excuse to use a remotely controlled um, power strip. Yeah, the, yeah. 
that's <laughs> usually the, the the best excuse that I have is to to put the test uh, the test setup in uh, in a known uh, beginning state. Yeah, and so it was in, initialize everything. I don't. I remember this quote. I don't actually remember who it is, who who made the quote, but he's like, "Testing begins when you turn on the computer." Yeah, and that was, and that's that's my motto when I automate. So tell me about the the structure of the teams that you're working with. I mean, are you like a satellite member with the rest of the team on a site, or are the teams more widely distributed? When I started. Um, when I started this, I was uh, one of two members of the team that uh, operated remotely, and it, it was because of the the same uh, circumstances. So we we were both core members of the project, and we moved out, and that was also very uh, interesting because um, the the other member, Stuart, he he's from Australia, he moved down to Australia. So we had this sliding uh, timetable where I would work from from Barcelona and he would work from Australia and we would just swap zip files, not even have a common <laughs> service. Mm. There was nothing like GitHub back then. That's like 2003, four. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but uh, now the company has grown and there's. Uh, the, the the German branch has offices in Munich, uh, Hamburg, Hanover, Frankfurt, uh, where I am normally stationed, and the uh, the main the main branch has its offices in in Schlieren, in Zurich, in the, in Switzerland, and uh, the project I currently work uh, in has members in uh, Munich and Frankfurt and in Zurich. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, with me satelliting th- between Greece and, and Germany. And it, it actually works really, really well. So we actually had our iteration uh, meeting today, mm-hmm. uh, to be exact. And we do that uh, remotely. Hmm. We, ha- we we do try to bring the team together uh, at least once every iteration mm-hmm. uh, because it helps. It helps a lot. But uh, we don't find uh, many difficulties working remotely. So describe, since you had that today, um, describe that iteration meeting. Did you uh, Did you do that over like a Skype call or... Yeah, um, we don't use Skype. Uh, um, we, uh, our IT department uh, standardizes with uh, Windows. Mm-hmm. Um, having experience in the embedded world, you, you'll know that uh, most of the embedded tool chains are also Windows. Yes. Piece. Yeah, which is one unfortunate aspect of <laughs> <laughs> somebody who wants to automate everything. Yes. And... Um, so we use um link link is the uh the successor to the office communicator suite this is like an instant messaging video conferencing suite that uh, from microsoft that integrates with uh exchange and all of that okay it has an abominable interface program <laughs> uh, interface 
its API is really, uh, yeah, abominable, mm-hmm. <laughs> which means that uh, you have a hard time integrating it uh, as a third-party developer. But it ties in with all of the Microsoft ecosystem. So, okay. And it, I must say, video conferencing uh, and uh, whiteboard and screen sharing and uh, instance messaging actually works quite good, quite well. So it does have uh, it has a, a whiteboard module. Yeah, it has. It, 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 essentially, you can do pretty much anything that you can do with a collaboration tool mm-hmm. with this suite as well. Do you use that? I mean, that's that's a tool that I hear about less often. I guess is is why I bring it up. Is in whiteboarding. I'm curious if you use them. Um, let's see. This this whole um, uh, this started because we needed collaboration tools, um, mm-hmm. and we there was like this. We actually used uh, Skype. We've used uh, Campfire mm-hmm. uh, between the team at one point. Uh, we attempted to have a, an ISC server uh, for 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 each team, so to speak, or so, a channel internally. But since these things tend to, uh, if if they are skunk works and are driven by the developers, they kind of fall apart after the end <laughs> of the projects or when they they, they get ignored at one point. Right. So they need to pass into the IT departments. Uh, bag of tricks, so to speak, and um, at the end, it's the compromise between what is it that we, exact, that we want, so we want instant messaging, we want video conferencing, we want to be able to share some screens, mm-hmm. and what uh, what can be provided to us mm-hmm. with the, the existing budget and the existing uh, infrastructure. Sure. So you do. So you have a, a video um, video conferencing um, iteration meeting. Uh, do you do uh, daily standups as well? We do daily standups, and that's uh, actually extremely valuable mm-hmm. because uh, working remotely, um, apart from the the one thing that everybody says about well, if you work at home, that you need discipline. This is the one thing that everybody says. Right. But uh, what you actually need is is this pull, this polling behavior. You actually need to chase people a little bit more mm-hmm. than if you are present in the office, uh, just to keep in the loop. Right. And a daily stand-up is, is the perfect medium for something like that. So mm-hmm. It includes you whether you're there or not. Outside of the uh, the daily stand-up, how much do you find yourself interacting with your coworkers on a daily basis? If something in our infrastructure breaks, my screen lights up like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. It's there's like the windows pop in in milliseconds. Uh, if uh, nothing, if if there's if everything runs okay and all the builds are green. Then um, I might uh, have the stand up, and then uh, maybe once or twice during the day uh, coordinate with a member of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, it it depends. I also get to go to Germany regularly. This is this is uh, this is something that uh, uh, actually 
cannot be avoided and needs to be planned really carefully. Uh, these um, trips. I find that um, personal interaction with the people is uh, extremely important. Even though I uh, I work at home and I prefer uh, working at home, see, especially when a, when a project is ramping up, mm-hmm. the this this synergy you get with just just being in the room and soaking up all the discussions. And uh, all the problems all in this implicit knowledge transfer um, is uh, is invaluable, and you can't do it over Skype, or you can't do it over right. these communication tools. Right. So you like to you like to have some in person time at the during the ramp up. Yeah, and then it depends mm-hmm. on the team. Always, mm-hmm. it depends on the people you have. I'm actually very lucky to work with uh, with the people I work with. It's extremely. Talented and intelligent people, uh, you get to learn a lot working with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, it's, um, it, I, I, I tend to think of this because, like I said, it's, it's been eight years and it has been a, a, a very uh, informative trip. It has changed over the years and, uh, and in and, and the last couple of years, this, this mode of working has more or less established itself because we are also building teams from different, um, from different uh, offices. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's actually very satisfying to get this workflow of using the instance messaging, uh, actually moving away from emails that go through the whole team. Mm-hmm. And um, putting information radiators in place, which is my other uh, favorite tool at the moment. Oh, that's a good that's a good topic. So, um, what kind of information radiator? Well, actually, let's let's start with um, maybe you could define real quick what an inf- information radiator is. <laughs> well, information radiator is <laughs> playing John Sasser the definition. <laughs> Um, information radiator is a, a tool that um, uh, uh, the way I define it is it closes the the, the cycle uh, back to the developer, brings information back to the developer in the shortest time possible. Um, it's not necessarily software; it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can also be uh, posted on a on a on a whiteboard. Uh, uh, the, it has two characteristics. It needs to have fresh information on it, so it needs to be updated regularly, and it's to and it needs to be visible to the team. So we're talking about a big whiteboard in the middle of the of the room or a big screen. And what we've actually done is we've, we've, uh, built a small, uh, Sinatra application. That's, uh, um, Ruby web application. Ruby. Right. Yeah. Uh, which essentially, uh, gathers the information from our continuous integration system and from, um, pretty much everything else that we have. So our, um, uh, yeah, ticketing system, issue system, and 
then the data from uh, our static code analysis flows into into this tool, and we get to see which builds are green, which builds are red. What happens with our test uh, infrastructure? How far we are into covering our flash memory graphs like that? What what are our lines of code over time? And um, it's um, because it is implemented as a as a web uh, application. It's actually um, there's one one instance of it. There's like a 40 inch screen in, in Frankfurt showing uh, that information, and then and in Munich and Schlieren uh, and here in the Saloniki, all you need to do is open up a web browser, and uh, you get the same view. Mm-hmm. That the big screen shows. And so you keep that open locally? Um, yeah. I usually have it open. Um, I, I managed to uh, make uh, some of my team uh, quite uh, irritate them quite a bit because at one point I also put sound on it. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever a build would, would break, the thing would come up and curse actually <laughs> uh, and, uh, and at one point there was like a snag in, in, in the build system so the thing was cursing constantly <laughs> <laughs> so everybody turned the sound off <laughs> yeah that's that's the other uh, that's the other trap you get with, with these systems is they have to be reliable they have to uh, provide uh, good information because once people start ignoring it as irrelevant, right. it kind of loses its uh, its appeal. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the reasons we fight for for green for always green tests. Mm-hmm. Once people get used to that red screen, you might as well turn it off. So you're doing this um, this distributed business in uh, in the context of a fairly large firm. And, uh, you know, and you have, like you said, you know, you have IT and stuff like that. Have you, how has that been? I mean, you know, have you had the flexibility to, to try things and, you know, have you had to like fight against red tape and stuff like that? Or has it been a fairly easy progression? Somewhere in between. Um, some things have been, um, uh, implemented by, by the teams. Uh, and then presented as a fait accompli. Um, uh, uh, some other um, some other things uh, um, just happened. For example, uh, VPN Visual Private Network access uh, was not available in the beginning, mm-hmm. but um, it was uh, it was planned. It was budgeted. Uh, and it happened, and now every everyone in the company has VPN access. Mm-hmm. Um, the the um, Office Communicator uh, thing was exactly it started. We need a tool to communicate because our team is distributed. Um, we need something that also keeps records of what we're saying, so we can find uh, our discussions. We used Campfire for a bit. Um, because of the, the situation of our clients and several NDAs and uh, some uh, um, some lawyer uh, conditions, we can't really use uh, cloud services. Or right. Web, 
publication services. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that we're talking about Switzerland and Germany and things there in this context. When you were you working as a consultant or as a, a project um, subcontractor, so to speak, um, the 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 law implications are more restrictive than the actual uh, abilities you have with the technology. Mm-hmm. So um, there had to be something in house. Mm-hmm. So after we used it for a while and we proved that it actually helps us uh, increase our productivity, IT took over and provided us with uh, a sanctioned solution. Mm-hmm. So, and then that's the way it goes. It's a, it's a give and take all the mm-hmm. time. The thing is, the the um, Toolkit is a, a software project company. Mm-hmm. So, so we, uh, 90, 95%, no, well, um, I'm discounting mechanical and electronics engineering, but let's speak about Germany. Let's speak about Germany where like 95% of, uh, uh the people are software engineers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, whatever helps increase our productivity, whatever keeps us happy, is also good for the for the company and for the bottom line. Mm-hmm. It directly translates into win and money. Right, right. So, um, what what's like your best piece of advice um, that you would give to to people that are working, you know, that are maybe getting started working as a dispersed team? Get a room with a door. Yeah, you mean at home? <laughs> yeah, at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, uh, our, our home here is open space and, uh, I've got my two kids and whenever they come back from school, um, I gotta stop working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the middle of the day. Um, it needs to be clear. The boundaries need to be clear. Uh, even though you're home, uh, you, it needs to be clear that between nine to five or, Whenever you arrange it, uh, this is work time and uh, it should not be interrupted. Mm-hmm. That's one. Um, I always say whenever they ask me how is it working, it, that it has its positives and it has its negatives. The positive is that um, the working space is five meters from my bed. The negative is that the working space is five <laughs> meters from my bed, <laughs> meaning that it can be days before I go out. <laughs> or, do, you, do you get, uh, I mean, do, do people start to take advantage of that sometimes, you know, with, with other teams, maybe in other time zones, just expecting you to be around all the time? No, not really. No, okay. that is, um, that, that is one of the advantages of working with the teams that I work and the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, time difference because it's only an hour's time difference actually works to my advantage mm-hmm. because I get to wake up later. <laughs> right. It's really important to me. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, you cannot displace the day by an hour. It's mm-hmm. not a nine to five, it's a ten to six. Mm-hmm. But that is easily uh, manageable. And then you have some decent boundaries for, you know, you're not. You're not just going to be on all the time. 
Um, no, usually by the end of the day, I just uh, uh, turn the VPN off and I'm off. Nice. Like if I'm not in in the VPN, then I'm not uh, mm-hmm. working. That's how it is. All right. Well, um, before we uh, before we wrap up. Um, where can people find out about, uh, where can people find you online? Well, I'm Arkandros on Twitter mm-hmm. with a C. Uh, you can find me on GitHub as Damfir. Uh, I've, I've, I've got very few open source contributions. Uh, that's, um, uh, unfortunately the nature of my work. Mm-hmm. Working with uh, with industry means that most of your work kind of gets uh, cobbled up in NDAs, right? And stuff like that. Um, and you can find me on Google Plus with my name. Uh, that's more or less it. There's, uh, I mean, from there you can follow the the leads. Well, I can't uh, I can't let you go um, without talking a little bit about uh, Yuruko. So. Yuruko. Oh, oh, I have to, I have to apologize publicly to the guys. I actually, uh, <laughs> I actually posted a, a short, uh, uh, article on that. Um, Munich and Lyon and, and, uh, Zurich had come prepared to Yuruko. They had, uh, like, uh, mega productions, like Munich came with a video production to support the claim. And, uh, like six upstarts, uh, sat for a couple of hours on the last day and put together a site and then, uh, and a short presentation. And at the end, uh, Yuruko 2013 is gonna take place in Athens. We are extremely excited. Um, it's gonna be awesome. We have um, a great team with uh, very motivated people mm-hmm. and a bit of um, extra motivation on our side to make it happen. Uh, we have uh, um, some very nice ideas and uh, we will wait for the European rubies in, uh, in Athens uh, sometime in uh, May or beginnings of June 2013. Hopefully it will be sunny and warm so we can also enjoy the fabulous and famous Greek weather. And we're going to have fun with lots of ruby. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, so uh, for those who, who, who may be listening and don't know, uh, Yuruko is a European ruby conference, uh, ruby programming language conference. I should probably clarify that. Yeah, I still can't believe it. I must say that <laughs> <laughs> it, it it is um, it is uh, very exciting. It's a lot of work um, putting up a conference uh, that uh, um, this 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 time in Amsterdam the guys did a very 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 good job. The the conference was amazing, and there was like six hundred people there for a single track conference. To accommodate 600 people and uh, have them leave uh, happy. That's my hat off to to the guys uh, in Amsterdam, uh, which just puts the bar uh, high enough for us to start sweating. 
Oh. And uh, yeah, we we have rolled up our sleeves, and uh, it, that's another distributed team because yeah, uh, um, yeah, there's um, two uh, Ruby user groups in uh, uh, one in Thessaloniki and one in Athens, and this is going to be a joint effort. So we already have our infrastructure set up, uh, our uh, GitHub repositories, and our mailing lists, and uh, we are. Furiously brainstorming. Well, very cool. That is that is definitely exciting. Well, we hope to see you there as well. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. All right. Well, uh, Vasilis, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And that is our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wide Teams podcast. For more interviews and articles on dispersed teams and remote work, please visit us on the web at wideteams.com. And if you enjoy the show and you're an iTunes user, um, well, subscribe if you haven't already, and uh, please do rate the show in the iTunes Music Store. The Wide Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm signing off. Wow, 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 wow,